Good morning, NBCC. We are so excited to have you here with us this morning. If you're new here today, we want to get connected with you. So go ahead and text CONNECT to the number on your screen. Here at NBCC, there are so many ways to get involved in serving. So go ahead and text SERVE to the number on your screen so you can see where God's calling you and get involved. This morning, we're going to start off our service by worshiping. Please join us as our worship leader, Mark, leads us in this amazing time.
There's a rain screen, the heart is on the fire. When and the walls are closing in. When I look at the space between where it used to be in this memory, see, I know I will never be alone in the fire. Standing next to me, there's another in the wars. Holding back the seeds, should I ever be reminded of how I've been saved? There's a cross that bears my burden, where another died. I know I will never be 
There's another in the waters Holding back the sea Should I ever be reminded I've been set free There's a cross to bear my burden Another died for me. Hey everybody, so glad that we could be together once again at Mission Viejo Christian Church. We're in the middle of a series called Ready or Not. I want our lives to be ready for God. And we are smack dab in the middle of this letter, 1 Thessalonians. We're going to be in chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. So if you have your Bibles, get them ready to, uh, to go as we read together in just a moment. But before we get there, um, just a couple things I wanted to mention and that are happening things at NBCC that I'm real excited about. Number one, as you well know, Easter is coming up on April 4th. I really want to encourage you not only to come, we're going to have a special Easter service outdoors at 10 a.m., but I really want to ask you to bring somebody with you. We got a lot of folks out there in South County that are hurting, looking for purpose, looking for some meaning, and certainly God can open up all kinds of doors for them to find a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you might be a bridge to help someone get there. So I want to ask you to invite uh, uh, somebody to come with you at that service. And not only are we going to have activities for kids after service, uh, but most importantly, right after the service is finished, we're going to have a special baptism time for anyone who wants to get baptized. If you're thinking about getting baptized, I really want to ask you to go to the website. You can click on connect. It'll give you some instructions about signing up for that, or you can just um, let us know on Sunday morning when you're here. Um, baptism is an awesome step that we're saying, I'm giving my life to you completely, Jesus. I want to follow you with everything that I have. So I hope you'll want to do that. And it's going to be an exciting time. Hey, we're going to be talking about a subject matter here, and I've entitled this particular message this week called, How Do I Live a Sexually Pure Life in a Sexually Crazed World? The Apostle Paul addresses that issue right here because in Thessalonica, there was all kinds of messed up stuff going on uh, sexually, outside of marriage, before marriage, just wild and crazy stuff. And it was really important for the people of God to know that Paul wanted to teach them and give them instruction on how to live differently so that we can be a reflection of who Jesus is. And so um, if you turn with me to chapter 4, we'll, we're, we're, we'll go right through verses 1 through 8, and then we'll get right into the teaching. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are now living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we have told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human uh, uh, teaching, but God, the very God who gives you His Holy Spirit." Wow, that's a lot. Let's talk about this. Um, I've got a friend who um, is 70, just uh, turned 70, gave his life to Jesus Christ when he was 12 years old. Completely um, just gave his life to God. He was very sincere. It was very right on the mark, and his heart was just in the right place. Unfortunately, after he started walking with the Lord, he began to stray away. He got into some rough stuff, got into some substance abuse, 
And as a result of the substance abuse and the bad choices, it affected his, his liver. And so now he's got liver cancer and he's just having a lot of trauma and a lot of bad things as a result of that. Here's what happened. And he shared this with me and he said, I really want you to share this in a message. I thought it was just appropriate for the, the, the text that we just read. He said there were three days, um, Pastor Mike, when I was in the hospital, that I allowed the devil to lie to me. I wasn't sure whether I was saved. I wasn't sure whether I was going to heaven. I knew I made a commitment to Christ, but I had made so many mistakes and so many wrong turns in my life. I was now doubting the fact that I was even saved. So what do I do? Well, we immediately went back to the word. We prayed. We read read verses about like in 1 John chapter 5, where it says, I have written these things that you may know you have received eternal life. After being back into the word, he was once again refounded in his faith and he had a peace of knowing that he was going to heaven if something tragically were to happen to him when he leaves this earth. So I only say that to say this. It has a command in here in verse 3 that it is God's will that you should be sanctified. Now I want to distinct, there are two words here in the Greek language, in the original uh, Bible when it was written, that are very important for us to, un, for us to understand. Uh, number one is this. There's a word in the Bible, chap, uh, Romans chapter 5 says, we have been justified by faith. This is really, really important to understand this, and then we'll get into the teaching. Um, we are justified by faith. That just basically means just as if, if I never sinned. It means God chooses to see us once we put our faith in Jesus Christ. He chooses to see us as holy and righteous and perfect. Now, are we? No. But God chooses to see this for us to see us that way because we received the death and resurrection that Jesus Christ on the cross died and he rose again on the third day. He canceled out our sin. He paid the price. He forgave us of all that. Once we step into relationship with Christ, we are now covered with his blood. Now, the second word, which is in verse 3, we read sanctified. Sanctified in the Greek just simply means to be set apart for something special. Here's what Paul is saying. Look, you guys were justified by Christ and his blood by the death and resurrection of Jesus. You know God loved you. You know it was a sincere faith. You gave your lives to Jesus. So you are justified just as if you never sinned. God sees you that way. But now your life, until the day you die, you are being sanctified, set apart to live a different life. You're set apart to live a life holy and righteous and godly. And I want you to avoid this thing that is running rampant in our culture called sexual immorality. So even though we live in a world that's sexually crazed, how do we live a sexually pure life? That's the question. And so day by day, we are being changed into the process of knowing Christ and also reflecting his life. We are being sanctified to look more like Jesus. The question is, in the area of sexuality, how do we do that? I'm so glad you asked that because I think the, the answer is so crystal clear in the scripture. Really, really clear. Paul says this, avoid sexual immorality. I want you to control your own body. I want you to honor others. I do not want you to take advantage of anyone sexually. In fact, those who abuse sex against somebody else, especially a child or taking advantage of anyone, God, they will have to answer to God for that. So it's very, very clear what God is saying here. So the question is, how can I live successfully single in a sexually crazed world? How can I live successfully married in a sexually crazed world? 
I want to talk about three things. Number one is this. I want to talk about the struggle of uh, our sexual feelings and passions, and we live in a world where just anything goes. I want to talk to us about, number one, the struggle. I want to talk to us about uh, not settling for what the world does or what we used to do before we receive Christ. And number three, I want to talk to us about not sinning. So the struggle, the setting, and not sinning. Let me just share with you very quickly about the struggle. Um, when I met my wife, we were both in college. We were 18 and 19 years old. I went to get a job at Laguna Hills Mall Cinema because it was a night job, and I went to school all day, and I thought, this is a perfect job. I loved working at the movie theater um, because it just was fun. Everybody loves going to the movies, and that was back in the day when, like, Back to the Future, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, these movies were all up. People would actually wait in lines for hours to get into the movie theater. And when you worked at the movie theater, you got to watch free movies, you got to eat free popcorn and free Cokes. It was just fun. We'd go out late night after, you know, we closed up like at 1 in the morning. We'd go to Denny's till 3 in the morning, eat pancakes, you know, at 1.30, 2 in the morning, and then just go to school the next day and do it all over again. Well, there was one particular shift. I don't know. I was working there maybe a week. There was one shift. I looked over. I was standing at the door taking tickets, and the girl inside the glass booth was selling the tickets to get into the movies. I looked over at her. And I saw this beautiful, like, creature. And she came out of the, the, the ticket box. I, don't re I remember exactly what she was wearing the first time I saw her. She was wearing brown corduroy pants. She had this um, kind of cream-colored blouse. And then she had um, these clogged shoes. And I just remember everything about her. Well, that immediately, I just was drawn to her. I fell in love with her. I wanted to go out with her. I just was just loved her. And so um, when we'd go out to Denny's, I'd like, you know, sit next to her, you know, and with everybody else. And I want to just get close to her. And so I asked her out to go on a date. Long story short is this. We fell in love and we ended up getting married. Now, during that time when we were dating, we fell in love. The reality is we were in love with each other. And so we had these sexual feelings for one another. We wanted to have sex with one another. But the question is, both of us being non-Christian for the first 17 years of our life, we had similar stories, is that we had a whole different view of sex and the world and how the view, world viewed sex. And now that we're Christ followers for only a couple of years, we have God's view and God's guidelines and God's best for us. So now, how do we view all this? So we decided to study the Word of God together because we really wanted to honor God. Here's what the Word of God says about remaining pure in a sexually crazed world. Number one is this, God created sex. God made sex. Sex is a gift and God made it. How do we know that? If you turn to your Bibles in Genesis chapter 2, verse 20 and following, I just want to read a few of these verses about God created Adam and Eve. He said, so the man gave names to all the livestock after God created Adam, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman out of the rib and he took, uh, he had taken out of the man and he had brought her to the man. And the man said this, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of a man. And that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they will become one flesh. Right there we see that God created sex in the marriage covenant between woman, one woman and one man. Number two is this, God wants us to enjoy sex. He does? Yes, he does. He created it, he gave it to us, 
and he wants us to enjoy it. How do we know that? Because that's what God said. I want you to turn over now to Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, both male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So we see what God is saying. I want you to go forth and just enjoy this sex that I've given you in marriage between just the two of you as you contain that in a, in a wonderful place called the Garden of Eden. Go forth and fruit, be fruitful and multiply the earth. Basically, God is saying, I want you to enjoy this gift I gave you. Number three is this. God gave us passion to have sex, to be sexual, but God gave us the parameters on enjoying that relationship with our husband or our wife. So why did God say this? Why did God give us parameters? Why can't we just do what we want? We feel drawn to do uh, certain things because we're attracted to a certain person. Why can't we just do it? It's not hurting anybody else. It's not hurting anyone. I just want to do what I want to do. Let's go through really quick why God said, I want you, I want you to uh, do this my way. I've set up the parameters. This is how, why I want you to do this. Number one, if we choose to have a sexual healthy relationship with husband and wife in the covenant marriage, we will never have to worry about sexually transmitted diseases. Number two is we won't have to worry about unwanted pregnancy. It isn't that if something like that happened, it isn't that God can't forgive that and God can make something wonderful out of that, but definitely life will take a detour and we don't have to worry about that. Number three is this. We will never have to worry about an emotional tearing away because when we have sex with someone that we're not married to and we just do it, it was a frivolous act, there's an emotional connection that happens. And so if we choose to wait before marriage and we choose to just have sex with our husband, with our wife in that covenant relationship, we won't have to worry about that emotional tearing happening. And number four is we won't have to worry about a lack of trust. We won't have to worry about trust in marriage. How do we know that? Let's just paint a picture really quick. You get married. She's the one. She's the one. You have a great three or four years together. All of a sudden, there's a business trip. Your spouse has to go on this business trip halfway across the country. And as they are at this business trip for three days, they're in the hotel lobby. Uh, everybody in the business uh, core area sitting around and talking. And uh, there's one person that's now attracted to your spouse, physically attracted, and they're going to go for it. And they're going to approach your husband or your wife. In that moment, you know because you and your husband decided to control through the Holy Spirit those sexual urges that you have before you're married and even outside of marriage. Now you can trust that your husband and wife is going to stay faithful to you. So we can see now really quick why God said, number one, if you're dating, I want you to wait. It's possible to wait through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying it's easy, but um, number two is you can stay within that covenant relationship of marriage and enjoy this amazing sexual life if we choose God's way. So God never said, don't be passionate. God said, I want to teach you to contain that passion. Let me illustrate this way. Um, I love building a fire at home in the fireplace. In fact, when we moved into our home 20 years ago, um, that we really felt like God set up for us to have. I told my wife, I wanted to have this really cool fireplace and uh, I want a natural wood-burning fireplace. I don't want this fake logs and fake fire and all that stuff. So um, I just thought to illustrate this, that um, I would just build a fire right here. In fact, I even thought about, 
um, because I love building fire so much in the fireplace, of course, I thought about bringing gasoline. I thought about bringing lighter fluid and lighting this thing right now in the building. But I thought, no, that's probably not a good idea because the church building is going to burn down and then we got all kinds of problems. But I wanted to illustrate this way. If I light that fire and that fire burns and it burns and it is not, here's the word, if it's not contained, that fire is going to burn out of control. It's going to spread like a wildfire and it's going to cause consequences to other areas. So I really want us to catch this illustration. This is why God said, I want you to avoid sexual immorality. He didn't say, I want you to avoid sex. I want you to avoid sexual immorality. That means any kind of sexual relationship outside the bounds of marriage covenant, the way God set it up in the Bible. So, now, what the church, I think, has done in the past, not every church, but I think what, unfortunately, what we've done is we've said, oh, no, sex is bad, sex is evil, sex is wrong. If you have a sexual thought, you're a sinner and you're going to hell. That's certainly not biblical because we just read in the Bible that God made sex and he wanted us to enjoy that. So I think what the church has done is when we start feeling passionate and we start feeling sexual and we're dating someone and we want to have sex with them, or maybe we're married and things have gone cold for a little while and we see somebody else that's really attractive and we're drawn to them and we really like to have that affair, what we do is say, oh, those feelings are bad. Those feelings are wrong. And you're just, just throw, throw, throw ice on the fire. Just, just, and, and that works for about three days, doesn't it? Because the reality is we're sexual beings. So the question is not how do I so much put that passion out as much as how do I contain the passion that God gave me? It's not good to deny the fact that we're sexual beings. It's not good. So I want to give you six things to close here really quick with on how do we avoid sexual immorality. Now, uh, before I get to these six things, I just want to address one more quick thing. Why in the world would we ever want to do this? Why don't we just do what we want to do? Well, remember, we went through some of those steps and reasons why God said, I want you to wait and why I want you to contain the passion, sexual passion you have in a covenant relationship. So now the question is, how do we do that? We do it because we love God and we want others to see the love of Christ as we live as Christians. So these are the six things. Number one, I don't want you, remember, to settle. I don't want us to sin. And certainly we understand the struggle. So here's the six things. Number one is this. Recognize that you want to have sex. If you're dating someone and if you're married and you want to have sex, which is a good thing, um, recognize that that's okay. God created us to be sexual. Number two is this, you were created by God to be a sexual being. So it's not wrong, it's not sinful to want to have sex. That's the way God created us. Number three is this, set boundaries with your partner, set boundaries with your husband or your wife. When my wife and I decided that we were going to commit to each other and we got engaged, we wanted to save ourselves for that marriage night. We wanted to save ourselves for that day that we would get married sexually. So we came up with some boundaries on what not to do and what to do. And so um, I can't say that it's always easy, but I'm so glad that God gave us those parameters to have a, a, a great marriage together later in life. Number four is this. It's really good if you're listening to this or watching this to have good, healthy accountability healthy accountability. That means relationship with someone that you know you can share your deep darkest feelings and they're not going to judge you. They're not going to disown you. They're going to listen. They're going to pray for you. And they're also going to come alongside and give you truth. So Laura and I knew when we were dating that we had a 
uh, accountability relationship with someone that we trusted, another husband or wife that stepped into our life, and we knew that we were going to talk about how we were doing in our dating relationship. It gave us good accountability to make good choices when it was really, really hard to make those good choices. All right, number five is this. If you mess up sexually, go to God. Go to God, ask him to forgive you, and then talk about it with your partner. Talk about it with your spouse and restart and set those boundaries and just get back to it. And number six is this. I think this is really important. If we just try to avoid something that we really want to do and we don't replace it with something that God wants us to do, it just becomes a drag. So I'm, I'm a huge proponent of this. We got to serve God together. Serving God together. That means when my wife and I were dating, we went to our youth pastor and says, hey, how can we serve around? And we want to do something together as a couple. So we served with the junior high ministry. Love those junior high kids, served them. And um, there's all kinds of things we can do, but here's what I believe happens. When we serve God together, it sparks up a spiritual connection with us to the Holy Spirit that is unleashed. And therefore, when we avoid the things that God doesn't want us to do, it's so much easier. I hope this has been helpful, hope, help, and more than anything else, man, God loves us. Jesus loves us so much that he died on a cross and he rose again so he can make all of this possible. If you want to do that, it's easy. You can go to the website. It shows us how to know God. We're here every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And uh, I hope this has been helpful. You might want to like this or share this with someone that's maybe going through a difficult time. We'll see you here next week at Mission Vale Christian Church, ready or not.